This week in The Kong Gamer, we'll be talking about Mad World, Peggle Knights, and Transformers the Movie. Welcome everyone to episode 16 of The Kong Gamer, and this week in um, Highest Score we'll be talking about Mad World. So, um, you know, unfortunately I still don't have my Street Fighter 4 with me right now, hopefully that'll be up next week. But right now, you know, some fillers for you. Um, we'll be talking about Mad World though. Um, no less a great game, I think. No less a highly anticipated game, I think, like SF4, for the Wii that is. Um, you know, um, definitely Street Fighter 4 is of a different caliber than Mad World. Mad World is just a new IP coming out, a new franchise. But nonetheless, I'm quite excited about this game since it's the, you know, the latest game in the Wii that came out um, that is of interest to me, actually. Um, the last title that came out that caught my attention, which I actually still haven't bought yet, is No More Heroes. Um, that was a pretty good game, very well received, and, you know... I've been looking around at reviews of Mad World, and it has gotten, wow, <laughs> it has gotten pretty good reviews. Um, not a fantastic, not fantastically reviewed, not critically acclaimed or anything, but you know, um, I didn't really expect much really from a game like this, since it's a little bit more arcadey, it's a little bit more edgy, a little bit more niche. It was just really marketed as a fun game, fun gory game. Um, and, you know, um, those games usually don't get reviewed all that well. Um, you know, the only reason why Gears of War, an equally gory and pretty much beefed up, you know, crazy, scary, um, 40k space marine type bodied, you know, character games is that, you know, Gears of War was a little bit more serious. It was a little bit more cinematic. Um, there was... I guess a more story, if if you can say that Gears of War has a story, um, than does Mad World. But pretty much, you know, it has the same vibe. It's really all about killing everything. Really all about the gore. Really all about just having fun with, um, you know, with weapons. Um, Gears of War had a lot of guns, and well, Mad World has a lot of, I guess, props. You might call it um, very, very akin and similar to Dead Rising, I believe. So you basically have all these. Um, I don't know, uh, props that you can use as weapons and the whole environment basically is a weapon to you. So what basically is uh, Mad World? Um, you know, when I saw it back in E3, I believe, it was very, very stunning. The, the This game really is, I mean, the appeal, the initial appeal, the initial impression this game really gives anybody who sees it is, you know, the great visual style of it, the great art direction, I suppose. And how very minimalistic it is, yet very successful it is in portraying a lot of detail and portraying a very distinct style. So it's not grayscale, it's not, um, you know, what do you call this? It's not monochromatic, it's strictly black and white and red, of course, uh, for the gore. But, you know, it's that stark contrast between absolute whites, pretty much, and absolute blacks, and, you know, um, pretty very saturated 
red put into the mix, which creates a very unique, very appealing, and, you know, a very artistic um, visual style, to me at least. And, you know, um, at the very beginning, that really is what Mad World was all about, a very, very good-looking game. Kind of gives you the impression of sort of Sin City. I mean, the way it was portrayed in the movies, something like that, but in video games, right? And it's amazing that a game like this looks so great because it's on the Wii. Pretty much the visual style and how pretty it is uh, on first impression at the very least is, you know, pretty much at par with next generation games for PS3 and Xbox 360. So that just goes to show, right? Um, high fidelity graphics, high def graphics really can only take you so far, but in terms of art direction, you know, the possibilities are pretty much endless and this is a testament to basically that uh, Mad World really is, you know, even if you don't have that much horsepower, not that much space, um, you don't have really, really high-definition textures or anything, but, you know, good art direction can always circumvent all these technical limitations, these, you know, all these basically um, technology-related things a machine like the Wii can tackle all of that and still make a very, very good and decent-looking game, if not very spectacular-looking game, much like Mad World. So, um, you know, so basically very, very visually striking game, very, very nice-looking, but, you know, how does it play exactly? Um, it's basically a brawler, really. Um, you're, the, the main character, Jack, is basically put into this um, television show, um, called Death Watch, where you, um, he was pitted against all these other contestants, um, and basically Last Man Survives, at least that's how I understand it. Kind of like Death Race, I suppose, but on foot, right? Um, there are motorcycle um, stages in the game, but, you know, um, it's more of a brawler, really, akin to games such as Streets of Rage back in the old, and, you know, um, I guess X-Men, Children of the Atom, and all of that, but... I guess the different hook is that you have this certain time limit um, in one stage that you have, and you basically have to rack up all the points. You have to combo everything. The more um, people you kill, the more hits you get, the more gory the kills are, the more you utilize things in the environment, and the more chains you get, basically killing um, opponent after opponent or opponent simultaneously gives you higher scores, right? And... Once you reach a certain threshold, a certain point on your score, then the boss battle is basically triggered. So, you know, um, very, very basic concept. Um, not much going around in terms of, you know, um, revolutionary gameplay or game design or anything. But I guess, you know, it's really the backdrop of it all. How the commentators really talk, how the game looks, and how it feels, and how very blatantly... Um, violent, gory, and just, you know, irreverent it is. That's really the whole appeal of the game, at least to me. Um, it's not pretentious about what it wants to do. It's an M-rated game, I believe, so, you know. Um, I'm surprised it's not adults only, actually, but, you know, M-rated game, and it's not afraid to be in a console that isn't for, you know, isn't marketed towards more mature audiences. The Wii is basically a kid's toy, right? And it's very, very surprising that a game like this would come out for that. I mean, uh, it reminds me of how Conquerors came out back in the day in the N64, um, the first 
probably M-rated game that Nintendo ever released, and I guess Mad World is similar to that. Um, will it hurt its chances of selling well that it's on a console that's catered for kids? I don't think so. I really don't think so, especially since the base of owners of the Wii is insane, and I'm pretty sure a lot of them are hardcore gamers, much like myself, who really, really are attracted to games like this. Um, attracted not just to games that are gory and whatever, but games that are pretty artistic, pretty has have a vision, and really know what it wants to do. Um, you know, I can't say much about how the game is as an art piece. Um, it doesn't, you know, I mean, it looks good, right, um, visually, but it's not something that would win the Oscars, say, if it were a movie. Um, but what I really, really like about the game is that it knows what it is, and it's not pretentious, as I mentioned earlier, and it just wants to give the audience a very, very good experience with, you know, very good production designs. Um, so, you know, how different does that make this game from, say, Mortal Kombat, a game that also just wants people to have fun and everything, is very, very gory as well, very, very violent, but how come, at least for me, Mad World is far more appealing than is Mortal Kombat? I guess because, you know, Mad World is a little bit more pure, a, a more pure experience, and Mortal Kombat has a lot of history already. The thing with um, Mortal Kombat and DC, the, the latest iteration that came out, it seemed that the developers were just really milking the whole um, Mortal Kombat experience. They were cl clearly, to me, much, much more superior um, Mortal Kombat experiences in the older Mortal Kombats. Mortal Kombat 2 still is my favorite Mortal Kombat, and I think a lot of people do agree with that. And the thing is with Mortal Kombat vs. DC Universe, it's just, you know, it's so much of a cop-out. It's so... I don't know. It's so unappealing. It's just... it. Mortal Kombat was more than just the gore, which was more than just combos before. It was really a fighting game with a lore, with a certain appeal, with a story and everything. But, you know, when you suddenly mix in... Um, DC characters that didn't make superheroes, it just seems like a marketing stunt, really. But Mad World is, you know, very, very unpretentious, as I said. It's really about the gore. It's really about killing everything. It doesn't really care what rating it gets, I think. And, you know, um, it kind of works to its advantage that it really sells itself as that because it appears as a genuine experience, unlike Mortal Kombat, in my opinion, right? Um, it's not trying to fool anybody, it, it's just very true to itself, very true to its design, very single-minded, again, which is very, very important to me. And that's why it's quite appealing, honestly. Um, it's not really a game that I would get at launch, especially since, you know, there is a pro proliferation of very, very good games, such, I mean, games that I've been really looking forward to for a very, very long time, such as RE and Street Fighter. But, you know, definitely something I would buy eventually, um, as well as No More Heroes. Um, last thing I'll say about the game really is what surprises me the most about this game, and I guess what sort of made me hesitate about the game at first, is that it's developed by Sega. Of all, you know, developers of all possible developers, Sega, right? Which, in my opinion, again, has had a very, very bad track record of late, especially with the Sonic games. I mean, you know, 
it's another problem. That's, you know, um, to my point again about developers who just want to make a buck. Sonic is just really that to me now. It has all these crazy iterations that keep coming out that don't really work at all, are not as appealing as older Sonic games. And yet they just keep churning it out because, you know, Sonic has a pretty good following, I suppose. Um, you know, they're coming out with Sonic and the Black Knight and all of that and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I was a really a little wary about Mad World as a game. I mean, it, as good as it looked even back in EA, I mean, the only bad thing about it for me that crossed my mind was that it was made by Sega, and, you know, they have had a history of really screwing thing, a lot of things up, uh, whether it be in marketing, whether it be in the game and design itself, or, you know, just really cashing in on certain IPs or what. But I guess, you know, it's good that this... Um, new IP really is new. Um, it's not based on any other IP or previous IP. It's completely original, and I think that works to its advantage, really. Um, it appeals to me very much like Jet Grind Radio, the art design and everything, very cel-shaded look, much like Be Beautiful Joe as well. And, you know, I really like that because it really does, um, you know, um, circumvent the whole problem of graphics and everything it makes it gives it a very distinct visual style um very very minimal not processor in intensive at all but still gives you a very very good looking game and you know um it's just something i think that's worth having on your library if you have a wii and it's kind of odd really because i'm looking at my shelf right now and i have a total of one or three four that's around 10, 10 Wii games right now, plus um, I'm not counting um, Wii Sports or crossbow training yet, but so, you know, it's 10 plus 2 pseudo games, um, that's my whole library of uh, Wii games, and you know, it's not a lot for a system that I've owned for a very long time, but now I'm looking at my PS3 title as, as well, I have already 7, so that's kind of strange really, since I've owned my Wii far longer than my PS3, and yet my PS3 is definitely catching up with my Wii. And to be quite honest, um, I'm pretty more, much more satisfied with the games I have for the PS3 than I am with my Wii right now. I mean, definitely had a lot of fun with um, Zelda, Mario Galaxy, and all of that in, in my, on my Wii, but then, you know, the substantial games I think that I have... I mean, as a hardcore player, I mean, I think my PS3 seems to be having more of those games, um, like Rock Band 2, um, Grand Theft Auto, Resident Evil, and soon to come, Street Fighter 4. And, you know, it's kind of sad, because it's like been a whole year without quality Wii games that have come out, and it's very, very refreshing and very, very welcome that Mad World has finally come out, because... God knows that the Wii needs more hardcore-centric games, not shovelware or not, you know, games that are just designed to sell. Games that are designed for gamers are still really the games that I'm looking for, quite honestly. And, you know, finally, Mad World has come out. Um, the Conduit, another Sega-published game, hopefully is going to be good, hopefully. Um, I'm not really hopeful about that title yet, but it looks promising, so hopefully that pushes through. And, you know, things such as, um, oh, what game is that again? 
Kizuna looks to be promising, and hopefully the Wii will have a good 2009 because 2008 was just terrible, quite honestly, in terms of games that are must-haves. So, you know, um, that's it, really. That's all I have to say about Mad World, and hopefully you guys have the spare cash to support, you know, Sega, who has, you know, given us a lot of years, and um, I really do want to support them, but, you know, to their own detriment, really, they're the ones who um, are really sort of betraying their own customer base, and I've had a lot of, you know, bad experiences with Sega games or what, expected so much, and yet didn't get a lot out of the games I bought from them. But, you know, uh, Mad World seems to be a pretty decent purchase. For as long as you know what you're getting, it's a very shallow experience, very fun, very frantic, very arcadey, um, definitely. But, you know, again, it's not a pretentious game. It knows what it wants to do, and it delivers that. Um, I, I believe so. So, you know, I'll definitely be picking this up eventually. <laughs> um, but, you know, maybe not in the near future just yet. So that's it for highest score this week, and we'll be moving on to game over. So this week in Game Over, we'll be talking about a game that's, you know, pretty popular among the casual gaming crowd, which is Peggle Knights. So, you know, Peggle basically is a puzzle game, I suppose, it's how it's classified, that came out, I guess, a few years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's not really a title I've been following at all, and but I've been hearing about it, a lot of people raving about it, um, raving mostly about its simplicity, mostly about perhaps the very charming sound effects, the charming graphics it has. Very, very simple game. Um, quite honestly, the only reason I'm reviewing it is because I haven't been playing any games quite lately and have really um, exhausted my library of games that I can talk about. But, you know, luckily I've been I've played Beggle Knights um, when it came out a few months ago. Um, and not even a few months ago. I mean, maybe half a year ago or more. Um, but Peggle Knights... It basically is this, you know, puzzle game wherein you you shoot um, a peg from the top, and it keep ba- it keeps bouncing around these you know these circles, these spheres that are placed in 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 the game board, I suppose, in the in the the grid of the game. And the goal is to um, you know get rid of all these glowing spheres. Um, I guess that's the gist of it, right? So, you know, um, different levels have different arrangements of all these spheres and the glowing spheres. And you basically have to make your your bullet, your peggle, I suppose, um, bounce around all these spheres and hit all these glowing spheres and clear the game, clear the board of um, as many of these spheres as possible and rack up the highest score by chaining a lot of hits and all of that. So, you know, very, very... Um, Simple premise. Um, you really have to play it to understand it. I don't think I did a very good job of explaining it, really. Um, just look it up on YouTube. It's it's everywhere, really. Um, and, you know, um, so Peggle, right? Um, 
I don't really have much to say about this game. While a lot of people do rave about it, like I said, a lot of even hardcore gamers who I guess need a little break from all the hardcoreness of all the other games and just want something sort of mindless, a little stressful, quite honestly. Um, but you know, to me, Peggle is just one of those games that I don't really like to play as a gamer. It's too much of a casino game to me. I mean, I know. I guess it's 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 um, it's classified under puzzle game. Have I been saying strategy ever since? No, I mean, it's a puzzle game, right? Um, you know, whew, uh, sorry about it if ever I did make that mistake. But, you know, puzzle game doesn't really quite fit this game to me because it really is a very casino game. It's one of those games of chance. Um, it's a game of luck. And to me, that's not very appealing because, like I said, um, like I've been saying all along, I mean, control is very, very important to me in a game. Um, if a player is given a lot of control over the environments, over the character, that is good game, pretty much. Because that really is one of the primary appeals of video games. That That's why video games is an escape for a lot of people. Because while in real life, you don't have a lot of control over certain things, and it frustrates you. In video games, really, if you're able to control everything precisely, and, and you know, basically project your mind and all your thoughts into this character, into this environment that you're playing, and make it move and behave the way you want it, then, you know, that's why it's enjoyable. It's something, um, you know, uh, what do you call this? It's something fantastic. It's not something realistic. It's something that you can control, and you kind of feel like a god in that way. Um, so, you know, um, that's a lower sort of philosophical take on video games, of course, but I think that's one of the great appeals of video games, really, is that sense of control, that sense of being able to control your own destiny kind of thing, right? Um, and, you know, Peggle just isn't that kind of game. Um, you could have a lot of control by memorizing all these sick, you know, stages and making very, very precise movements on your mouse and everything and just blowing through all these stages, but, you know, it kind of reminds me of this game in Price is Right. Um, I think it's called Plinko, where you just drop this this, um, this cylinder down, um, you know, an obstacle path or whatever, and going down to like $10,000 or $0 and all of that. I mean, that's basically what Peggle is, really. Um, it's a game of chance. It's a game of very, very minuscule movements of your mouse various degrees and you know to me it's while it is fun in that it's completely mindless i mean if you just throw away your mind right but to me you know games like this just doesn't appeal at all because it does lack that sense of um achievement if you like playing the lottery if you like playing games of chance if you like playing the casino and you know, doing slot machines and everything, then I guess this game is definitely for you. And even, you know, the whole feel of the game does seem like a casino. I mean, you know, put this game in a, in a casino floor and a lot of people will flock at it and it'll be a very, very big hit. But, you know, to me, I don't like slot machines. I don't really like casinos. I don't like gambling. Less, unless it's, you know, um, Texas Hold'em poker and things that have a semblance of control. Um, you know, if I can get that sense of control, sort of, if I can hold certain things and, you know, um, strategize my way through it, 
i.e. card games, then that's the gambling for me. But things like this that are really, really insanely left to chance are just not very, very appealing to me. Um, True, it's a casual game, and I guess I'm just not that much of a casual player, really. Uh, I guess I'm just more of a casual player in that I can't spend that much time on video games anymore. I can't sit down and play a game for three hours um, in three hour sprints, right? Um, But, you know, a game like this is just too casual. It's just too brainless and what... I mean, no offense to anybody who who loves this game, but, you know, to me, it's just very, very shallow, and while it does has its charm, I mean, I played it once, I played it through until I couldn't make it through to the next level anymore, and that was pretty much the end of it. So game over for Peggle, pretty much, for me. Um, so, you know, again, maybe they... I, I really think they should reevaluate um, the classification of games right now. I mean, there are so many games like, you know, like... Um, that Peggle that come out that are very, very casino-looking games. So maybe a new genre would be casino games, right, or what? So, you know, um, that's basically all I want to say about Peggle, quite honestly. Game over for that. Not a game for me, really. Maybe a game for you, but, you know, definitely check it out because it's, it is one of the more, I guess, prolific casual games out there. Definitely worth a look, for sure, but, you know, to me... Not something I would want to play for hours on end. So that's it for Game Over this week. We'll move on to a sandbox segment after a very, very long time. So tune into that. everybody to another sandbox installment on the Kung Gamer. I mean, we haven't done this in quite a while, and quite honestly, I wasn't really planning to do it this week. However, you know, while thinking about the things I could think about, uh, I can talk about, sorry, um, you know, I was watching my Transformers the movie, as in 2007 the movie, um, DVD on my PS3, and, you know, basically I I said, you know, maybe I can talk about that movie. Um, It's kind of timely since, you know, um, the sequel to the movie is coming out pretty soon in May, I believe, um, which is called Transformers Rise of the Fallen, and, you know, it's sort of a controversial movie, really, and that's what, why I wanted to talk about it, because, you know, um, a lot of people hate it, a lot of people love it, and to be quite honest, I'm the person who's somewhere in between. Um, it's kind of like how I feel about the Watchmen movie. It's not really that it was a bad, um, you know, adaptation of the original, um, you know, basically the, the canon that it was based on. It's not a bad replication of that or not a bad adaptation of that. It's a more of a very, very applaudable effort, a very, very good effort. Um, not exactly perfect or anything, but nonetheless very very admirable and very very well done um i'm not gonna say that this movie you know makes me 
hate Transformers or anything. It's just a good, you know, it's a very, very good adaptation by Michael Bay, if you ask me. He did a very good job in trying to make Transformers look real. And, you know, a lot of people hate it, of course. But, you know, I think Michael Bay, for this movie at least, had a very, very good sense of realism. I mean, meaning he was a very, very good filmmaker in that kind of knew what to do with the robots and make it look modern, make it look real, and make it not look dated or anything, and look fresh still, you know. Um, it's kind of difficult with Transformers because, you know, it's not, it's, yeah, I don't know. I'm To me, making a movie about transforming vehicles into robots isn't as easy as making a movie, say, like Lord of the Rings wherein it's completely fantastic and you can basically do all sorts of things. The thing with Transformers is that it's very, very realistic in that, you know, you have... I mean, the premise is actually very, very real and very, very possible. While Lord of the Rings, there is no possibility of a Balrog ever ravaging, say, New York or whatever. There is no possibility of elves, of hobbits of orcs and everything like that, of magic at that, of a ring that'll control everybody. It's all very, very fantastic, very, very unreal. But in terms of Transformers, I mean, vehicles that form into robots or aliens, to me, those are very, very real things. Um, very, very possible things, at least. Um, alien technology and all of that. Well, you know, of course, I mean, I'm not one of those believers that really say there are aliens or anything, but there is that possibility, right? Um, for some reason right now, I'm feeling that a lot of people are hating me right now that for, you know, bashing elves and hobbits and halflings and everything. But, you know, basically, um, technology to me is more real than magic. Let's put it that way, all right? Um, so I apologize if anybody was offended or anything, but, you know, basically, technology exists, magic does not. Um, or witchcraft or anything. I mean, in the modern world, definitely technology is very, very real, while black magic and magic and fantasy stuff isn't quite as real as it used to be, at least. Um, so, you know, that's why, to me, this, this movie's very challenging more than fantastic movies like Lord of the Rings or maybe, you know, um, other fantastic movies. Uh, Narnia or what, um, because this movie can actually happen, and, you know, the sort of, what do you call it, uh, suspension of disbelief isn't as strong in movies that are realistic as they are in movies that are fantastic. That is, I guess, the same reason why Watchmen has been met with a lot of ridicule and mixed reviews as well, because Watchmen can actually really do happen. I mean, I guess save for Dr. Manhattan, right? Um, it's still very, very real. Um, probably won't happen exactly that way as portrayed in the movie in both these films, Watchmen and Transformers, I mean. But very, very realistic concepts, right, that prevent the audience from really suspending any of their disbelief, quite honestly. And so, you know, that's why I believe this movie doesn't deserve all the flack that it, it has been given. I still believe that the 1986 movie is far superior than it, of course. I mean, with a great soundtrack and just real drama. And, of course, I'm just a fan of the series, a very big fan of the series ever since. So, of course, you know, canon is still um, God to me, right? And, you know, uh, Frank Welker as Megatron is still 
the best, and Starscream as that kind of Starscream um, is still really, really, really good. So, you know, um, while the movie, 2007 movie, didn't surpass the first movie, I think it's a very, very, it gave very sufficient nods um, to the canon of, of Transformers, and it was very respectful of the lore of Transformers, and very, very mindful of what the fans would say. Um, you know, there are certain things, like the design of Megatron, which I didn't really like at all. Um, and he's kind of dumb, especially when, you know, the first time he he got thawed out of a 10,000-year, you know, cryogenic state, he suddenly says his name, I am Megatron, kind of thing. It's kind of dumb and really stupid, to be honest, and really cheesy. But, you know, in as much as this movie has a lot of cheese, Transformers are never really about substance anyway. Um, it was really about giant robots that transformed and the more robots that transform, the better, right? Um, it really is a showcase of just machines and how they, how awesome they can look. And I think the movie, 2007 movie, achieved that very, very well. And I think a lot of fans and too hard are too hardcore and, you know, they just want to complain about it when they really forget the whole appeal of Transformers to begin with. They're basically giant robots. And who doesn't like giant robots, right? And I guess the the thing, the hook of Transformers that's different from all the other robot, um, giant robot cartoons, say anime-style giant robots like Mazinger Z, Wallace Five, um, Grandizer, and all these things, is that Transformers transform. Basically, you have your familiar vehicle, and they transform into crazy robots, right? And it's actually done very well because you can see it in toys, right? And that's, I guess, what appeals to me more. Um, and it's just really, really cool the way to design things and just how awesome it is, just the thought of your car being able to transform into a robot. And, you know, that to me is very, very appealing. And to me, the movie, Michael Bay's movie, really captured that essence of it, how cool it is to have all these crazy robots transforming into vehicles and back, uh, into robots and robots into vehicles and that and back, right? And it's very, very cool and nice. And, you know, um, looking forward, right, Rise of the Fallen, I have no idea what this movie is about. I'm just thinking it's more of a revenge kind of thing, wherein all these Decepticons suddenly um, come to Earth looking for the Allspark, getting revenge for Megatron, and in all likely... Hood Megatron will be back in some shape or form, somehow revived by perhaps Soundwave. I mean, you know, in pretty much Transformer canon, Soundwave was always the most loyal, I think. That's in my opinion. And maybe, you know, Soundwave rescues Megatron, and Megatron's there, and hopefully Starscream will play a bigger part in this, because that was something I found lacking in the movie, at least. That dynamic between... Um, Megatron and Starscream and how their personalities really clash. And I guess, you know, a movie of two hours isn't enough to really play on this dynamic between the two. But, you know, um, if they can achieve that in this movie, then that would be really, really good. And the more... And I, hopefully the success of the first movie really does um, kind of... What do you call this? Um, 
shoot up the budget of this upcoming movie. Uh, I believe the first movie costs around 150 million. Hopefully, they can make it 300 million this time. And definitely, CG graphics these days are a lot cheaper to make. I mean, if they wanted to make the same caliber of graphics that they did two years ago in this movie now, I'm pretty sure it's going to be um, all right graphically. And of course, they're going to up it a little bit, but you know, um, I guess it's a little bit. It's going to be a little cheaper because all the computers these days are much, much faster. And hopefully they can top even that. So, you know, um, while the trailer of Rise of the Fall doesn't really give much, there is this giant, crazy Decepticon that, you know, um, Optimus Prime jumps at. And it has one wheel and everything. It kind, of, kind of looks weird. It reminds me of Scorponok from the first movie. It's very organic looking, but I think it transformed from some sort of construction vehicle, and then suddenly it has this wheel. I don't really get that quite yet. But, you know, um, cool that it has a very, very gigantic, um, what do you call this, uh, robot there, right? And I have no idea who this robot might be. Um, Devastator is already there and was a tank, so I have no idea what this robot might be. It might be the new incarnation of Megatron, I have no idea. It looks kind of um, dumb, though, to be the leader of the, of the Decepticon, so I'm kind of scratching that idea out right now. But, you know, um, still very excited to see this movie. Um, hoping to see more of the trailer, more robots, because that really is what this movie is about. The more robots, the better, of course. And I think Michael Bay is very, very conscious of that. Um, I believe he was quoted to say in, you know, the bonus features of a DVD, he would have included more robots, but, you know, the budget just wouldn't permit that. So, really looking forward to that, definitely. And hopefully they'll have, like, 20 robots in total. And more epic battles, more explosions and everything. And you can expect that from a, a Michael Bay film. So I guess, you know, that's pretty much it for this week. I mean, hopefully you guys who are haters of this movie have given some, been given some sort of, I don't know, something to think about at least. Because I think, you know, it captures really the essence of what makes Transformers so appealing. It's just giant robots that transform into very familiar vehicle, very familiar everyday vehicles. And I guess, you know, it plays in your mind every day that, oh my god, my car in the garage might turn out to be... You know, a Transformer or something like that. Something very geeky, of course. So, you know, um, hopefully you guys see that. And if you haven't seen it in a very long time, I think it's... And have a DVD, I think it's high time to pop it into the player again and watch it. And see how actually very, very good it is, even at a technical standpoint. Definitely no story to be found there. But, you know, cool robots, man. So good, so good, so good. So thank you again, guys, for... Um, listening to the podcast that was episode 16 of the Kong gamer and hopefully hopefully next week i'll be talking about street fighter goodness until then you guys remember it's dokang.gamer at gmail.com if you guys want to email or contact me or say whatever uh, bash me or what but you know um i'm just here and hopefully i'll meet you guys again next week for another installment of the Kong gamer so until then, happy playing, guys. Always have fun and keep on playing.